Hey, Greg. Hey, Andrew. Did you decide to come up from for air from Elden Ring? I did. Uh, I beat it yesterday. Whoa, good timing. 200 hours. Holy fuck. <laughs> I was taking my time. I, I, I could have. I probably could have could have done it in more like 120 but you know i was i was taking my time i was exploring well i hear that's what you're supposed to do in that game it's a very good game i am thinking about buying it i'm i'm i i was playing new game plus before we started this <laughs> uh i am it's one of those things where it's like i i might give it a go i'm not sure i'm willing to give it a 60 dollar go at this point uh, it, it's worth it although those games are notorious for never going on sale ever. It, it's so, a very good game. It is worth $60. I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I talked a lot about it with friends who've loved it. Literally every single person I've talked to whose opinions differ about lots of things, but I respect in different ways. They're all just like, this game is a work of art. It, yes, it is, it is very, very good. So I think maybe uh, this summer... I might, I might, I might grab it and dig in and be late you to the should. game as usual, but you should. And the, the you know, there, there's going to be DLC at some point. Um, and the DLCs for these, uh, for these games are like big, right? Like it's usually like, like Elden Ring one point. The first DLC is going to be like Elden Ring one point five. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't know. Maybe you wait. Don't bother. It's it's good enough. Get it. It's very good. There's very little to complain about. Yeah. It's very, I mean, very good. I, I was worried it'd be too hard, but it sounds like it's hard in a hard way and not hard in a doesn't value your time kind of way. Yes, there there, there is. It is the least like bagging your head against the wall of any games in this kind of loose series. It is it is the most um, forgiving isn't necessarily the right word, but like. Uh, there are much fewer fuck you moments <laughs> than there have been in, in previous games where it's just like, oh, you're just, this is just a fucking joke. Like, you're not, you know, like, just blatantly unfair. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and also, like, it's, it's one of the biggest games out there right now, so there is no shortage of, like, decent little, like, 10-minute YouTube videos of, like, hey, here's how to, like, like, here's how to spend your first couple hours in the game to, like, you know, get a good build and get some good, you know, get some good gear and stuff. Um, if you want to do that, you could be a crazy person like me who didn't even really look at the wikis until you were in like hour 120. Um, wow. Yeah. Because I like, wow. I, I like the, I like the weirdness of it. Um, that probably me. I try to, well, you talked about this before, but try to avoid the wikis and the, you know the how to solve this how to do that because then once you do it once it feels like you you kind of want to yeah you crack the seal um no i mean i i I, you know i was talking the other a couple a couple weeks prior to this game coming out we were friend of the podcast roger uh we were he was just for some reason playing i think it was whatever the most recent was it the remaster of dark souls one i don't know demon souls probably demon souls i don't know so anyway we were watching him we were like on discord and we were watching him play and kind of like razzing him. And I saw him like go through a hush section that took him like, I don't know, 10 tries. And then, you know, it was frustrating. And then he like got to a boss and then like, you know, died immediately. And then like went back to the beginning of that section. And I was just like, no, I, I would be done for this game forever. Yeah. If that happened to me. So, but I've so heard that's, that that's, Elden Ring does not do that to you generally speaking. That's, so that's a hallmark of these games. Uh, we even have a word for it. It's called the runback, which is the 
the route between the the most recent checkpoint back to the boss room. <laughs> and, you know, for folks who, um, you know, uh, who suck and aren't familiar with these games, basically imagine an action RPG. You're collecting experience points um, with all the enemies you kill. Um, but when you die, you drop your experience points, go back to the most recent checkpoint and every enemy respawns. So you basically have to fight your way back to where you were to pick your experience points back up again. If you die before you pick them back up again, fuck you. (laughs) Um, Right. So that can be very punishing. And the earlier games in the series are not really connect. I mean, some of the games in the series are connected, like Dark Souls 1, 2 and 3 have some connecting plot elements. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you've got. Bloodborne, Sekiro, and now Elden Ring, which do not, but the mechanics are largely the same. It's this the right. same kind of idea. The difference, one of the things that Elden Ring does is there are a lot more checkpoints in the world. So the run back to any particular boss is a lot shorter, but they've also put these new things in called stakes, which are more like kind of a halfway checkpoint, which are usually like right outside the boss. So when you die, uh, sometimes it's a boss or sometimes it might just be a particularly difficult area. But uh, if you die, you can choose to respawn there rather than all the way back at the checkpoint. Um, And the only main difference is, you know, there are certain like like character customizations you can do at a checkpoint uh, that you can't do at a stake. So it's a little bit of a trade off, but a huge quality of life improvement um, to to. to the game so, so that like oh i have to i have to do this entire level again just to get back to the boss so that i can die in three hits instead of one not so much anymore uh um, right and generally speaking because now it is like a fully open world in the more like skyrim or red dead sense like if you're getting completely devoured by a boss chances are you are under leveled mm-hmm. and so just like Go explore some more until you get a little stronger. Whereas the older games, they were a little bit open world, but more like an interconnected world, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But basically, like, the, there were a lot more times where you're just like, you would just get cornered in a level. And it's like, well, I, I'm, I have to get through this right now. No other choices. And I am not prepared for it. So I'm just going to have to, like, grind these little, like, rats until I get five more levels. <laughs> so... It's much more forgiving, but it's also just an incredible game. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I think I might give it a go then. And you maybe, must. maybe we should uh, hold off and, and talk more about it later. Although I will say we I was should. thinking about you because I was listening to the Sanderson podcast and he was, they were talking about the game Hades, which I know is also another very popular game that came out, what, last yes. year, two years ago? Year, um, yeah, last year, the year before. Uh, and, but anyway, they were discussing games in general and what they like, what they don't like. And Sanderson was saying that, you know, like one of his favorite games of all time is Bloodborne. And then he, you know, kind of like spoiler warning, but then described how the game works. And I was just like, that is fucking cool. Bloodborne is, I still think Bloodborne is as a complete concept, the best Soulsborne game, because the way that the mechanics work with the narrative is so much more like it, it, it's so good um and it tells a story that 
these other games have never told before. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the three Dark Souls games and Elden Ring to a certain extent are kind of telling the same kind of story and some of the mechanics don't feel as... Uh, there are a couple like holy shit mind-blowing moments in Bloodborne that aren't anywhere else. Um, right. uh, but I will say in Elden Ring, um, there are a lot more George R. R. Martin fingerprints in it than I expected there would be. Interesting. Because when they were like, oh, George R. R. Martin's working on this, I'm like, oh yeah, sure he is. He probably came <laughs> like he came in for a day, said, name that character America and and collected his million dollars and then walked away and then they could mm-hmm. put his name on it. But I right. it, it, it's actually, you know, it his contribution seems like it was, uh, you know, fairly far reaching and fairly deep. So um, uh, it, it, this isn't a spoiler, but like once I realized how important um, various like uh, struggles of various like royal houses and <laughs> internecine struggles of like who's married to whom and uh political marriages and stuff that's like kind of a big part of the plot i was like oh i see you george i see (laughs) you um that's that's good though wasn't just a phone-in job no it seems like he did he did contribute some stuff that actually i think is is fairly interesting um not anything that you know somebody who's pretty familiar with like the the Soulsborn uh series it's not like totally far out like it's not like i mean like yeah we've dealt with things like you know oh you know you're you're interacting to some degree with a royal family like yeah that's been done but this is it's pretty good pretty happy with it cool uh in a crazy turn of events i've also been playing video games greg what video Uh, games have you been playing so you know you're not a pc gamer but the epic you know like brand and they have a game store similar to steam platform whatever you want to call it launcher and they do this like every week they just put like two or three games up for free and sometimes they're like legit sometimes they're just like little indie things or whatever but sometimes they're legit games that cost real dollars and i think it was at christmas this year they just put up all three of the you know remade tomb not remade but the new series of the the, the tomb raider games yeah and i had played the first one i don't know three or four years ago or something and really liked it. That's a game style that I like. It kind of falls in that, you know, Tomb Raider, Arkham, you know, Arkham Asylum, like that style of like beat em up slash shoot em up slash open worldy kind of Metroidvania, mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. Um, not super difficult, but, you know, not just like old W to walk forward kind of game. So I just I just finished rise of the tomb raider like a couple weeks ago and i just started shadow of the tomb raider which is the third one um fun games uh i will say that i was nervous starting the third one something like the second one was good but it was kind of like all right this seems like it's good it's better than the first one but it doesn't seem like a huge jump from yeah the first one but the third and the third one is not like a huge jump mechanically but like visually and just like the setting because it's like set in south america and it's all this like mayan incan like super just like metal shit just like you know (laughs) ritual sacrifice and it's a little spooky at points which i don't love but um it's a good atmosphere and uh a little more like a little more like the nitty-gritty crafting stuff which like i was like i don't know if this game needed that but uh i enjoy it it's a fun it's like i got this you know i bought this new computer and it's makes things look beautiful and it is (laughs) it is gorgeous it's a very good game to look at so uh 
They're fun. Have you played them before? I played at least the first one, maybe the first two, and I remember enjoying them. Yeah, it's like they're not anything like revolutionary by any means, but they're fun to play through. They're engaging. Right. They're just, you know, good. And I like and, you know, they uh, uh, they like the, the, the reboot elements were really good, like the way that they kind of created a Lara Croft that makes sense in the modern yeah. world, you know? Yeah. It, um, in air quotes for sure. Cause I've decided at this point that she is now like 40% Indiana Jones and 60% Rambo. And that's an interesting yes. combination, but especially cause now I'm in the jungle with like a Bowie knife, just like gutting guys. But um, no, it's, it's good. I like, and I like the little, I wasn't, we didn't really like, I didn't like play the Tomb Raider games cause I was, they just like weren't very good in my opinion. <laughs> When I was a kid, but yeah. we used to play the, you know, you could run around the mansion. I think it's like what every kid did probably in the original Tomb Raider games. And they yeah. had like the weird butler that follow you around. Yep. There was like a little nod somewhere. It might have been in like the side thing you can do in the mansion or, or like whatever. And it mentions it's like a letter. You know, I have all these like collectibles you can pick up to tell little side stories and stuff. And it was a letter and it said, <laughs> she's like, when I was a little girl, you know, I used to like lock the butler in the in the refrigerator and that was something that we always did every kid did when you played like yeah. the original two like, yeah. that's such a good callback holy shit uh but yeah no it's 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 pretty I, I i enjoy them uh i've always heard that they're also similar to like the uncharted games yes but yes. i've never played those before uh uncharted i mean yes i mean they're, they're it's yeah it, they, they are very similar um which is kind of a weird thing because like uncharted when uncharted came out it was kind of like oh this is the game because the first uncharted came out before the tomb raider reboot so it's kind of like clearly um uncharted was kind of like oh this is what tomb raider should have been and then tomb raider comes out and it just like borrows all that evolution (laughs) from uncharted (laughs) um that's funny yeah yeah, the Uncharted games are good. Um, I, I never quite really got into them. I think it's more because um, they're very, like, character-driven, and I just never really liked the characters in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, if you, you know, they're very story-focused, and I never really liked the story, so. Yeah, that makes sense. I, uh, I'm i excited because I've been watching a few. I'm not, like, a huge, like, despite being a PC gamer, not, like, I don't follow a lot of stuff about all the tech you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. But some of the stuff about the uh, Unreal 5 engine. Yeah. That I've looks crazy. Some, I've been seeing some some pretty impressive things. Yeah. It looks pretty bonkers. So uh, I'm pretty excited for that because they said they're going to make a, another Tomb Raider because that was, it, you know, these games were kind of one of the flag bearers for the four, you know, the four engines. So yeah. to see it in the five, and they, are, they still look gorgeous. So I'm excited to see what they do with that. But. I also uh, just bought today. Um, this is a game I played a demo for like a year ago. It's a little indie game. You know, I think we I think we maybe even talked about this before, but, you know, it's just like the thing is just like take blank and smush it with blank. Mm-hmm. And this is the game that takes kind of like the roguelike basically slid the Slay the Spire model for those who've played that and many other games that are similar to that. You know, a map where you choose where you go and it's kind of random, but whatever. What with Peggle or Pachinko? <laughs> um, it's called Peglin. And uh I was playing a little of that before we got on. Um, it's uh, it's fun. It's it's weird because it's like it's still kind of random because you're just throwing the ball and hoping it works out. But yeah, there's definitely like a pretty steep learning curve to 
the strategy of it, which makes you kind of rethink about those games. You're like, actually, you can do a lot here like that. You didn't know you could kind of do, you know, each ball does different things and there's little kind of mini games within it. And I'm going to see where it, see where it goes. I was I've been kind of keeping my eye on it. And it finally came into early access. So I'm like, yeah, I'll drop 15 bucks on this. Whatever. Although now I'm wishing I just would have saved that $15 for Elden Ring. You can. You can you can you can buy Elden Ring. You should you That's should true. buy Elden Ring. <laughs> okay, we right. keep saying it. Got it. Anyway, should we talk about the thing we came here to talk about tonight? You mean the Batman? The Batman, yeah. Which um, just announced we, yesterday is, we were getting is, a sequel to. Well, yeah, timely at, to everyone's of. surprise. You know, uh, we'll get you know, there. Number but one I was a little surprised. America, huh? I I don't know. We can talk more about this. When we get into it, but like I was I wasn't surprised that it was a sequel. It's just like it didn't feel like this. I'm getting out of myself. Let's just talk. Okay. Should we yeah. should we begin in the usual way where we guess each other's thoughts? I mean, maybe we cheated a little bit because I think we were texting each other. But yeah, yeah. Um. Well, we we'll give we'll give it a go. Um, okay. I think I actually think we're gonna feel like really similarly about this movie. I think that you liked a lot of the pieces of it, performances, cinematography choices around design you know kind of the overall vibe but that probably if you kind of sit in it too long the, the plot is a little eh. uh that's also kind of how i felt too so <laughs> but i don't know yeah well <laughs> kind of broke the model, I, I, that's so. that's I, like i say i think we have the same thoughts which yeah i think that's pretty accurate of what i would say and probably what you would say too i don't think i don't think we're going to disagree too much on this one um I guess I'll start uh, with just my my like just little things first. Uh, nerd, like yeah. just like being a nerd. Best bat suit ever. Easily, right? easily, and a really good Batmobile. The best Batmobile ever. Oh, okay. Um, yes, name a better Batmobile from the live action. Oh, okay. Well, you, you took what I was going to say, but um, no, it's it's really good. I mean, I would have liked to seen like a gadget or two, but that's not really what this movie's about. So I totally get it. And um, we'll talk I more actually, about that. But I think there were too many gadgets. Interesting. Okay, um, we'll disagree a little bit. And I, I, I say this because I've actually, I've, I've been kind of slowly rewatching it a little bit here and there since it uh, dropped on HBO. Because um, it's fucking three hours like, long. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. Um, but he's got <laughs> the little shocker that he uses on the, um, on the Joker thug in the mm-hmm. in the opening. He's got the like weird contact lens video cameras. Mm-hmm. And the machine to pull the video recordings out of the contact contact lens video cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got like there and, and then at the climax, he's got like what appears to be a venom injector oh. that he uses <laughs> to like shock himself back. So I assume that was just adrenaline. But I, the fact that it was glowing green, I felt like was like oh, clearly was a nod green? to like. Yeah, I think oh. it was. But, okay, I didn't real. I didn't miss um, that. That's that. That's how I remember it anyway. I haven't got to that point in my rewatch yet. But like, I thought some of those gadgets were a little bit uh, the shocker, not so much. But the eyeball cameras was like, uh, especially on the rewatch, I was like, this is too much. There were other ways to do this. Um, th- this is too much of a contrivance. And especially because the rest of the movie kind of wants to feel like, oh, yeah, this could be happening right now, you know? Um, yeah. And we didn't have the um, the kind of hand waving that we had in the the Nolan movies of like, oh, he's got access to like advanced military tech just because that's what Wayne 
tech is building right and he's got a guy on the inside to help you know mm-hmm. like it's just none of that he just like pulls into his like garage and he's got this fucking eyeball camera like what what um so but that is a relatively minor quibble interesting um i have more to say about that but we'll get there uh i liked the detective stuff i liked it in theory yeah i like the i like that it was there and the feel of it left something to be desired right and i think that's my biggest criticism is that the plot just doesn't really fit the mysteries are hard I'll, i'll say that at the beginning like doing like a layered you know mystery kind of movie it's always tough especially when you're kind of trying to also make it like an action movie because so many things are predicated on the outcome of the a previous thing that if it would have gone even slightly different would then unravel this entire like sequence yeah Um, so i want to talk about that for a little bit um now a typical mystery formula yeah a classical mystery formula basically introduces you to all the suspects early on and you are along with the detective trying to figure it out um this doesn't do that because it introduces the riddler very early and never bothers to be like even if you introduce the riddler right there's a serial killer he's releasing videos um but who is he like the movie's never presenting us with characters who might be the Riddler, right? Like there's never an implication that like maybe Alfred's the Riddler, maybe Commissioner Gordon, right? So we're not doing that kind of mystery, but there's another way to do it, um, which is the way another movie that this movie draws, and I'll be as charitable as I can, heavy inspiration from, and that is Seven. Have you seen mm-hmm. Seven? Okay, it's been a long good. time, but yes, I have seen Seven. It has been a long time. Uh since the movie came out the movie came out in 1995 so it's almost 30 years old so i'm not sure if you can even call like if you're like aping a movie from almost 30 years ago like does that is that really like ripping it off anymore right 30 years old but anyway in seven you've got two detectives uh mills and somerset um mills is brad pitt's character somerset is morgan freeman's uh character and they have very different approaches and very different like theories of the case mills brad pitt is very much like this guy's a psycho we don't have to think too hard about this let's just find the guy blah 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 i hate crime um and i'm kind of dumb and then you have somerset who is much more cerebral and he's trying to like he's like going to the library and reading dante's inferno to try to understand the seven deadly sins Right. And the movie is more about these two competing philosophies uh, and how they approach crime and how they approach evil. Right. Um, But this doesn't do that either (laughs) because the identity of the killer doesn't matter so much. It's more about, um, you know, it's, it's more about the detectives being kind of caught in this web of you know, evil and sadism. Um, And this doesn't really do that either. So it's like, it's tough to follow the mystery because we as the audience, like, it's the fucking Riddler. We know who he is. And it's not like when we finally find out his identity, that's going to matter, right? Right. Because it's there's no, uh, there's no stakes in who he is. It's just about, we've got to stop him in time. Stop him in time for what? In Seven... There's this clear kind of ticking clock of like, okay, this guy is doing his weird seven deadly sins thing. And if he gets to the end, he 
wins, right? Not only in terms of like, well, now he's murdered seven people, but um, he kind of proves to the world that evil can win, right? And that's something that neither one of the detectives really wants. They don't want this guy to win. Um, but but the Batman doesn't have that. So you're just like, I don't know what the Riddler's trying to do. It's something about corruption, okay? Um but what's at stake if he wins, right? What do we lose? And that doesn't really become apparent until the last, like, 10 minutes of the movie. Right. Right? It just seems like, oh, he's killing a bunch of scumbags. Okay. Yeah. Why Why do I care about this? Um. So that part is really underdeveloped. And it's also way too fucking complicated. Mm. There, there are way too many moving pieces. And it's all a bunch of mobsters that we have... We don't really see, have never really met, right? It's just like there's Falcone and there's Maroni and then there's the Penguin and there, there's a DA and a mayor and a police chief and all of these people. And I'm like, I don't know who all these guys are, but I'm assuming because they all get co- collectively like 10 minutes of screen time, they none of them matter, right? Like the characters I'm supposed to care about, Batman and Commissioner Gordon, don't have anything invested in these people. So it's just kind of like, other than just knowing Riddler bad, Batman good, I don't really feel the pull here. And it's hard to keep up with um, all of these different players in the larger, like, conspiracy. Um, So at some point, you just kind of gloss over and, like, just fucking get to the point here, guys. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I I had said this previously. I'm not the first one to say it, I'm sure. But... I really think this should have been a TV show I, because I, go ahead. I I think that even though it felt long, it didn't really feel long. I, I was pretty engaged in the movie, but I felt like I was watching the complicatedness that you talked about with all the different mobsters and characters. And it's trying to do a lot while also kind of maintain like it doesn't feel overstuffed in the way that like, I don't know. Spider-Man three feels overstuffed or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not like they're trying mm-hmm. to, it's just that like, cause they're trying, they, they give a lot of room in scenes, you know, it's not like a breakneck pace by any means. Like it's a very moody movie in a, in a way that I mm-hmm. like. Yes. Um, and that was great. And I just felt like if they would have like, I you, this plot with filling in characterization and filling in some details and maybe like developing some things more easily in eight or 10 episode HBO max series. Yes, that I, I think would be very uh, compelling. Yeah, this feels like like, yeah, like it, it, it's three episodes crammed together of a larger like, yeah, eight to ten episode show, because if I had a little bit more time to meet all of the characters that the Riddler kills and there's this constant dread of who is next. And oh, by the way, all these characters that we like, it turns out if they get killed by the Riddler, that probably says something pretty bad about them. So you kind of don't want any, you know, you like this guy. You don't want to, you don't want to find out that he was part of the conspiracy. Like that's cool, but we don't have enough time with this. So, and it just feels like there's like, there were like two or three too many riddles. And some of the, like the solutions to the riddles were kind of like really contrived and outlandish. Yeah. Um, And, and I think that the movie makes a switch, right? About um, two thirds of the way through, maybe. Where it goes from being just like this guy is killing random scumbags and Batman's trying to stop him to it becoming personal, right? Personal to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Batman's dad, personal to Bruce Wayne himself. You know, he attacks, he tries to kill Bruce Wayne and ends up hurting 
Alfred, like, and that felt like a switch that like needed to happen, but the handoff like wasn't great. And I think if it had more time to let that switch, I think it would have been like more meaningful because that like now it's personal thing. Like that's a not uncommon thing that happens in like a Batman story and that's fine. And I liked, I liked, you know, like what it's overall trying to do of just like, you know, corrupt corporatist America, you know, like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, especially in like the a themes. super corrupt Gotham, the themes, right? Yeah. Corruption, power, you know, how that gets intertwined with family and, and different things. I, you know, and, and wh- where does this version of Bruce Wayne kind of like come down? And that idea that like when they're in the prison or I guess they're in Arkham and he's kind of like, no, we're on the same side. You know, like that kind of mentality was just like, that's an interesting like vibe, you know, an a interesting theme. Yes. But I don't think it, it kind of just like, no, then it kind of like, well, but then like pseudo apocalyptic attack on Gotham, which is not, you know, dissimilar from how like, you know, uh, Dark Knight Rises ends ends or any other, you know, yeah. Batman story. So. So, yeah, I just think if there's just like a little more thought and development in some of that and like, yeah, the riddles were like some of them were OK, but like in like riddles are kind of a dumb gimmick anyway. I think this lead, like didn't lean too hard in them, which was good. It made it more just like clues and detective stuff, which is fine. Yeah, um, I think that I think that it also yeah. would have let some of the performances uh, breathe as well. Yeah. There's a lot I, of really good the, ones in this movie. Yeah. And I think that not giving Robert Pattinson enough time to like give us a sense of like, well, what was Bruce's relationship with his dad? And like, what is his current like image of Thomas Wayne? Um, because then supposedly when that gets shattered midway through the movie, when it turns out his dad was a part of the corruption, it's like, I don't know how this is landing with Bruce because I, I don't have a clear picture of like how he felt about his dad. Because any scenes where we kind of suggest it early on, like he has some interactions with Alfred where he's like, you're not my father. It's like, but that's not telling me whether or not you were cool with your dad. Right. Like that could mean like you don't like men bossing you around. Right. You're not my dad. You're not the boss of me. But it could also mean like you're not my father. You're never you're not half the man my father was. But we don't get it because there's not enough there. So there really isn't an emotional moment. And and also this this is there's there's this movie did something I hate, which is where um, he's talking to Falcone and Falcone's like, ah, yeah, your dad was corrupt. And Bruce Wayne's like, oh, that sucks. Alfred told me he wasn't corrupt. And then he goes immediately next scene. He goes and he's like, Alfred, you my dad's corrupt. But you told me he wasn't corrupt. And then Alfred's like, no, he's not corrupt. Don't worry about it. And Bruce is like, okay. So it's like in the expanse of just two scenes, we had a revelation and then just undid the revelation in the following scene, just in dialogue. What are we, what? (laughs) Like you could cut that whole bit out and you're right back to where you started. Why? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, for sure. I think that, yeah, that, that scene, a lot of, I really liked Andy Serkis's Alfred, but a lot of the scenes between him and, and like, Pattinson didn't really work for me. Like I, I just did like their relationship was like a little ill-defined. Like you mm-hmm. can get what they're going for, right? Like the like kind of Alfred's holding everything together because this version of Bruce Wayne is not kind of what we're used to, which is like a person. <laughs> I mean Bruce yeah. Wayne does not appear to be a character in this movie or in this world. He's just like Batman and then Batman when is 
light outside so he stays inside uh so you know and he's yes. running the business and he's supporting him but like kind of you know with that hesitancy um i don't know there's something there you know, it, it, this is and this is a larger thing i want to talk about looking towards the end of this but like i'm trying to think of a of a character or a universe where we've had so many different versions of it and i don't think hmm. there's anything more than batman at least like in modern you know recent history like there's so many versions of batman and alfred and all related things that stretch the gambit from like you know super comical and light and funny you know to like super grim dark serious like this is to like then like satiring both those things like every version and like different variations exists so you're always kind of trying to peg like oh how is this alfred and this bruce wayne get along you know is it like the hesitant but supportive is it the not supportive is it the all-in jeremy irons just making guns stuff like you know what is and i find that like fun but i'm not sure that i got like a definitive answer from this movie about this version of Alfred and batman yeah i think we just didn't spend enough time with bruce wayne um and alfred i don't think we got enough of that side of the character to like establish their relationship um uh which is weird because it's not like in other batman movies or you know batman portrayals we spend a ton of time with them together but i don't know I, I it's weird because i do think this movie is too long but also i'm like we didn't get enough we didn't spend enough time on x y and z right um yeah yeah and, and it, it, I, think I think that's it's weird because it's like too long, but because it's like not all fitting together. Like, I, I really do think cause it didn't really feel too long in the moment to me, but it is long as fuck. And I'm OK with that in general. But I just really feel yes. like I, I, I have no problem with a three hour Batman movie and I have no problem spending three hours in this particular version of Gotham City with these versions of these characters. I love them all. But I just feel like let's if we could take a half an hour out of um batman and and gordon standing around talking about riddles and replace that with a half an hour of like just some character development you know get help me understand these relationships a little bit more um give me you know i mean this movie after the opening sequence is glued to batman the entire time right like but like having some moments with just like commissioner gordon alone understanding like what are his motivations what's his deal you know um that would have been helpful having some more time of just like um understanding like how does alfred feel about bruce's whole gotham project as it's as it's titled on his notebooks you know (laughs) how does he help what's his role you know what what's their relationship like what is bruce's vision of his parents you know um, yeah, I mean, I, and all that could be developed if you ha- were doing a series. And I know they're like, I don't know if they're still working on it. I know they're talking about a Gotham PD show with Jeffrey Wright. And I agree with you. I think that it is another point I had written down was that, you know, I really like I really like Jeffrey Wright and I really like him as Commissioner Gordon and like his mm-hmm. portrayal and acting and stuff is, is cool. But like they didn't really give him a lot to do. He literally yep. just like. 90% of his dialogue is him just reading what is like written on stuff or like describing things yes. that are like plain to see. I'm like, that's not what commissioner. I mean, there's a little bit of that, which is fine, but like, cause Batman's not a talker in this, but it's just like, I would have liked him to have a little more to do. I did like that. One thing this movie did to shift a little bit about like, we didn't get fucking 
Thomas and Martha Wayne getting shot. We didn't get like a montage of him training. We didn't get a montage of like, we didn't, you know, like there's none of this, like the police are kind of after him. It's just like, it felt a lot more like a version of Batman. I rec, I rec like remember or feel from like the animated series or like other kind of in certain comics where it's like, yeah, he just shows up and the cops are like, not super cool, but they're not like chasing him. And Gore is just like, don't, don't even worry about it. It's fine. And like, they already have that relationship developed, which like I kind of enjoyed yeah. um, where it doesn't feel like, I don't know. It felt weird. Like it's a weird thing to watch when he just like shows up and he's just standing with a bunch of like regular ass cops, but you're kind of like, okay, like it was fun in a different way, but I just wish they would have given them more to do together and something like some reason why Gordon's like, so defensive of him and like protective of him, you know, because we don't really know why outside of just like, I guess he thinks he's doing the right thing. And because not like, right. They could have done, they like, done even, the thing where they do where like he like Gordon knows that everyone in that police station is corrupt except for him. This is his only route. They don't really do that because right. it's like he's always shocked when he finds out that somebody's corrupt. Right. Um, Not always shocked, but just like he's kind of just like, really him? It's just like, OK. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. There is it, it, it's it's a little bit of but um but yeah, I mean I like that the relationships already established. I think they could have they could have included a little bit of talk about like um right, like well it, it, it it's like it, it seems like Gordon like completely trusts Batman, but we have no sense of like but and and that relationship seems almost unconditional, right? Mm-hmm. Like and I, I I think we could have had a little bit more tension between them of like, um, you know, like, hey, I'm giving you this chance because you helped me. You helped me on the Joker case. But, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if we if, if, if we screw this up, it's my career. And you know what I mean? And I don't even know your name. And, you know, like a little bit more like tension and that because that I feel like could have given a little bit more edge to some of the scenes. Um, uh, that I, I, yeah, I think that could have helped because also it's, 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 it's very clearly established. Batman is, this is year, like the start of year three and he hasn't really, and this also kind of goes against some of the backstory too, because, and the themes are pretty heavily rooted in this idea of like, okay, for two years, Batman's been out there, but all he's really been doing is just like beating up street criminals. Right. And like. Um, and, and, and the big theme of the movie is the failure of that approach. Right. right. Um, but yeah, if that's say, all like, he's crime been doing, is going up, not down. Right. If that's all he's been doing, why does he have this established relationship with Commissioner Gordon? And why is it implied in the deleted scene, the Joker scene uh, that like, you know, like, oh, he he locked Joker up before this movie happened, you know, right. Like, yeah. But he wasn't doing that sort of thing. Like, why would he be a detective if he hasn't been doing any detectiving until this point? So it kind of yeah. goes against and, and yeah, that it could have been better with a little bit more development on their part. Yeah, I definitely agree. And yeah, because like, yeah, a, a couple tidbits of just like, yeah, like, you know, well, you bailed us out in the Joker thing and no one believed blah, blah, blah. But me, you know, like just something that hints at why they have this bond already, because it's nice that it's there already, but a little bit of understanding of why. Once again, a little more time in a show could totally could do that. Right. And and he uh, gets and Batman gets brought in, presumably, to the mayor's murder scene because of the 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 note the Riddler leaves. It says to the Batman. Right. Um, 
So like you could kind of, you know, that that's reason enough for him to be there. And you don't even need to necessarily have this strong relationship between him and Gordon where they already have the bat signal set up, et cetera, et cetera. You don't necessarily need that because it's just like, hey, I'm calling you in because you're a part of this and I'm going to need your help on this. But I do not trust you. You're a mask. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then they could develop some trust over the course of this movie, you know, bring a little bit more energy and tension to those scenes where they're trying to solve it because we're also seeing their relationship develop and they're building trust. Yeah. You know, like if Batman is a little distrustful of Gordon, like I don't I, you might be trying to like unmask me and bring me in. Yeah. Or may or, or you know, Gordon might actually have like suspicions like maybe Batman's doing this, you know, and you could have a little bit more and then they learn to trust each other. And, you know, the scene where they're trying to unmask Batman, Gordon's the one who stops him. And that's a big moment of like, oh, he trusts me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it interesting. Um, I, I don't actually. OK, I'm going to. In the context of Batman, what the fuck is a commissioner? Because hmm. there's, there's, <laughs> there's often also a police chief. Yes. And I don't know. And sometimes I feel like one is above the other. And other times I feel like it's the other way around. Because what I find interesting, and this is just like a small quibble, is like, why do they all listen to Gordon? Because I get the vibe that Gordon is just a detective in this. Because there's. Yes. There's somebody else is the yet. commissioner. I thought he was going to be promoted to it in this. And that would make it go away. But like. Whenever he's just like, no, let it be. Everyone's just like, all right. I'm like, this guy's not in charge. Like, what the fuck? Okay. According to uh, Wikipedia, um, uh, it is um, senior rank in many police forces in the world. Uh, In other jurisdictions, it is the title of a member of an oversight board. So in the United States um, might be, depending on the police department, might be like the top of the police department, like the commanding officer might be a in the like in the case of the NYPD, a civilian manager of a police agency. So that would be like an elected position mm. um, or in the case of the LAPD, a member of a board of civilians. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so question, triple question mark. Got it. But anyway, my point is just to like there, there doesn't really seem to be he doesn't seem to be in charge, which is kind of how in the other in other movies it's like, well, he's kind of in charge, so they're not going to. But like here he just seems to be like. A higher ranking member, but not the highest, because a lot of people are right. telling him what to do. And like Boston's like, OK, well, it's fine. I mean, I don't really care. It makes it makes it work. But um, right. Having him be a detective rather than a commissioner, because, you know, in other like I'm thinking about the animated series and like Commissioner Gordon isn't like out there, like investigating murder scenes on his own. It's usually like he's calling in Batman when they're out, all out of ideas, you know. Right. And he's giving the call to like call the police off when they're chasing him right. or whatever right he's he's, so. he's covering for batman and yeah yeah i do like how like there's kind of a vibe that like the cops are always like example like uh when they're in like riddler's uh you know hideout at towards the end of the movie or i guess you know before the end of the movie um you know he shows up and the cop and the cops just like you can't be here and he's like i'm batman and they're like okay and like they just like hang out with them and like help them a little bit i'm like i don't know i kind of like that vibe like yeah because in the other ones it's always just like they fucking hate batman like every cop but commission you know but gordon hates batman you know or in the case of the the nolan movie you know rises like uh gordon and joseph gordon levitt's character whereas these cops just like just like are just like 
what the fuck is Batman? And they're like, man, he seems legit, like seems OK. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like a weirdo. Weir- yeah, he's like a weirdo. And we're like, sometimes he helps us. So well, I guess we'll let it slide, which is kind of a funny dynamic. But um, I wanted to talk about uh, the other characters. Obviously, Colin Farrell's Penguin was like really fun. Yeah. And like good, good on him because that's he, he was in, invisible in that role, which is great. Um, yeah, there were only a couple scenes where I was like, oh, that is definitely Colin Farrell in a fat suit. Um, <laughs> only a couple times. But uh, yeah, he he does a great job. Um, I mean, I think it's a really interesting character. Um, I don't know that it it's definitely not the best penguin. No, because he's he could he could be just any kind of gangster. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't really have any. There's nothing penguiny Penguiny. about him, which is probably good. That's probably kept the movie more grounded. Um, uh, But he did a great job with a a relatively small part. But he did a great job of walking that line between like believable gangster and like um, more like cartoonish Dick Tracy villain, early Batman villain, you know. Yeah, somewhat over the top. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like during the car chase, I feel like when he's like, you know, Batman smashing him. He's like, this guy's crazy. And he's laughing. Like I, that was like a good yeah. like vibe of just like, this guy's a little unhinged and you know that for sure. Um, and I love how, how he just doesn't take Batman seriously at all. Yeah. He's just like, this guy's a fucking joke, <laughs> which I, which is great. And I think that honestly, um, I, I still want to hold on themes a little bit, but like, that's the way that, that that's important to the themes here. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, there's something really, it's kind of like we're talking about the police, too. It's like the movie. I don't know if it's purposeful. I think it is. So maybe what you're getting at. That's like it really makes Batman seem absurd. Yes. Like that. This is an absurd thing to do. And even though this movie is like by far the most grounded version of Batman we've probably had, at least like, you know, in popular uh, media, it's like when you're walking, when you're seeing this because he's so serious. You know what I mean? Yes. Like This Batman is so serious there's a couple little jokes here and there but like when he's walking around with the cops and the cops are just like what the fuck is this guy's deal like and yeah he's talking to penguin penguin's just like what what are you like and people are kind of trying to play it like a joke and he's so deadpan and like it's really weird performance from pattinson because it's good but it's nothing like it's not really like there's really nothing this is the like also one of the most stoic quiet bad bands we've had yeah right yeah it's, it's weird like what is going on here, Greg? <laughs> I have I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. Okay. I, I, I and, and and I guess this is this is it. This is the, the point where I get into my my feelings for why this is uh so fucking good <laughs> beyond <laughs> okay. the surface level. Um, like yeah, I love the bat suit. I love the Batmobile. I love the fact that he spends most of his time in Gotham on a motorcycle because that makes so much more fucking sense in a city. Yes. Although um, the logistics of him, like being in a scene as Batman and then like you see him hop on a motorcycle with a backpack and then drive the next scene and then like be back in the scene as Batman. It's like, well, there are a couple times where it's a little much. It's just like, what's the logistics of that? Like you just like go into the alley and change again. Like I, it was enough that they highlighted it enough that like it made me think about it. Yeah, but I "Mm." think that, like, the idea of the Batsuit being more or less just, like, some body armor that he can put on over more or less street clothes. Yeah. And then hop on the back of a a basic-ass motorcycle that he can just hide under a pile of trash somewhere. (laughs) Or if 
you know, Batman has to leave his motorcycle behind. It's just a motorcycle. Right. On the, you know what I mean? Um, I love it. That's a perfect version of Batman. And then the Batmobile is this like project he's been working on that doesn't work at first. Amazing. Um, you know, the, the movie's like foreshadowing this Batmobile for like an hour and a half of like, you just keep seeing it and he's working on it. You're like, that's a fucking Batmobile. That thing looks so cool. And then like, you see it fire up in that alley and you're like, oh shit, here comes the Batmobile. And then it doesn't work. So good. But anyway, um, I really think that this, uh, the main, the theme of this movie is, is basically talking about how, um, I'm going to call it the Rorschach version of Batman, the kind who thinks in deep monologues about the filth of the city and how he is its savior by beating people up uh, is bullshit and dumb. And um, that you can't solve crime by just finding criminals and making them afraid um, with pain. Right. Like this is a deconstruction, not only of that version of Batman, but that vision of of crime and justice. And um, I think the fact that like he seems so weird and stiff and alien um, early in the movie is kind of the point. Um, And like his the fact that it opens with his little stupid monologue about I have become a nocturnal animal. The city is uh, the gutters overflow with filth and crime. Like, the movie wants you to laugh at that because the point of this movie is him realizing that um, that's all a bunch of bullshit. And if he really wants to fix Gotham, uh, he has to, uh, A, address corruption and structures and B, actually help people (laughs) instead of just beating people up. And then, like, I've heard some people criticize that, like, oh, it starts out in, like, the crimes that he's stopping. It's like he's talking about crime and it's just like it's a bunch of punks playing the knockout game. And, like, Mm -hmm. that's such a stupid, like, vision of crime for the movie to have. And it's like, no, the movie's vision of crime is it's the corruption. It's the it's the revolving door between the mob and the cops. It's the um, it's the it's the perversion of public funds away from helping people and more towards propping up the political ideals of the wealthy. Like that is what the movie thinks crime actually is. But the movie opens with us seeing Batman going after street bullshit like a guy who held up a bodega or like graffiti or the knockout gang. Um, And you know, all of his posturing about, you know, vengeance um, is stupid. And the penguin laughs at him. You know, the, the movie opens with Batman, you know, beating the shit out of somebody in a subway station and saying, I'm vengeance. And then 20 minutes later, the penguin's like, oh, hey, Mr. Vengeance, how you doing, you fucking weirdo? <laughs> you know, like it's supposed to be deconstructing that super serious vengeance minded uh, crime minded batman and it's supposed like he's supposed to be cringy in the beginning because he's an idiot he's doing it all wrong Hmm. and the way that the 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 movie is deconstructing that if it can just get out of its own way with this ridiculously convoluted riddler plot with three mobsters too many and uh three riddles too many um and the fact that the riddler doesn't really connect with this idea of Batman having this revelation of like what it actually is going to take to save Gotham. And by the way, it's not punching. Um, That doesn't really connect with the Riddler as a villain, but setting that aside. Um, 
I just love the way and, and this is all in just in the first 10 minutes of the movie. This is all laid out so clearly. Um, you know, he's keeping notebooks called the Gotham Project and listening to Nirvana like, yeah, <laughs> he's supposed to be kind of cringy. I I think the movie wants you to be like, this is our guy. This is our guy. And then he becomes our guy. That I, I feel like this is uh this is a batman origin story that is great because it it doesn't we don't need the murder of the parents because that's not really the origin of batman this is the origin of a batman who actually has a fucking brain in his head it's a fascinating take greg you know i hadn't put it all together like you had although i had some of the same feelings right what you know what i was talking about before you said that so eloquently like yeah no i mean and at the end of the movie it capitalizes on that by his focus being saving people, right? Like, yeah. you know, like when he's in the, you know, he tries to sacrifice, he like basically thinks he's going to sacrifice himself to cut that cable. He saves the kids. You know, you see him helping the first responders at the end. Although I'm like, dude, whatever you hit yourself with was adrenaline or venom or whatever. Like, looks like it's like the morning after and you're still walking yeah. around after you got the, sh- they got the literal shit kicked out of you. Like <laughs> yeah, you were shot in the chest with a shotgun, my dude. Yeah. You should take it easy. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like, it, it goes back to what we've said about before about like, you know, some of the things in some of the better Marvel movies where they actually show the heroes like saving an ordinary people. Yes. Which Snyder would never do um, by contrast, like that definitely happened. You know, it definitely goes into this. And even like you can even look at that first scene with the Joker guys where it's like that guy he saves and he saves them. Right. And who knows what they were going to, you know, yeah, knock him out or whatever. More more. Who knows? But that guy's just as scared of Batman as the other guys are, which I think yep. is kind of like also a little signal. And, yes. and, and you've got, we haven't talked about Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman, Selena Kyle yet. Um, she was fine. Uh, but like her status as a criminal by his logic yep. and his, like, you're a criminal kind of vibe. Like I'm going to, am I going to beat you up too? Like, and her challenge of that, that she's, you know, yes, technically a criminal in some regard, you know, but also, but I have to be because I'm all wrapped up in this. Right. Exactly. I was, and I was literally born, born into, into this. It. Yeah. And this is my only path towards, well, maybe not the only, but one of the only paths towards, you know, getting out of it, right, is more crime, for lack of a better term. Um, interesting. That's a fascinating, ah, man, it feels right. Uh, feels right. Hooray, I did it. I solved the riddle of the Batman. <laughs> now, this is, and this is where I said that I was surprised that is getting a sequel because in my, in the weird feelings I was having around this, that you've now crystallized that I, I feel like could be right. Or if they're not right, it's enough there that it's like, it makes for a confusing, if this isn't the point, it makes for a confusing Batman. Otherwise um, is like, I didn't feel like this version of Batman has legs for a franchise. Uh, I, I think that's right. I, I really like this version of Batman. I like this version of Gotham. I think this is, the best Batman aesthetically, like the suit, the car, love it uh, thematically. I think this is great. I love Robert Pattinson. I love I love kind of a skinnier, nerdier, weirder, richer Batman mm-hmm. like Robert Pattinson. And I, I've been saying this ever since he was cast, basically. But like R- Robert Pattinson can definitely play. I have grown up an incredibly rich weirdo and I've been an incredibly rich weirdo for 30 to 40 years. I'm a I'm an almost an alien, which I love that version of Bruce Wayne much more than the like. And I think Christian Bale charismatic. Great. But like he's too cool. 
He's too fucking cool, right? Yeah, this like kid that. isn't. This isn't. This isn't an orphan who's been fucking studying ninjutsu for twenty years. You know. <laughs> yeah, like um, the Playboy Batman isn't really that appealing. You know, like the unless it's like truly just like an act. You know, and that's um, and that's hard to do on screen. Yeah. I think it worked in the cartoon in the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but they also did a little bit more of it's an act, and that was also a little bit more fantastical. Whereas this, like, yes. yeah, he doesn't fucking sleep. <laughs> He's got to wear sunglasses all the time because his eyes don't work because. <laughs> right. And like, you know, it, it, there's a reason why one of the first shots we see of him without the suit on is he's covered in scars and he's like yeah. limping around the limping around the Wayne Manor. Like um, it's got to be a little bit more grounded and you kind of have to choose, you know? Yeah, I do feel like the the like level of groundedness a works against this being a franchise. That's hard works. That's why I think it also works better for a TV show, because you don't have to be constantly elevating the stakes in the same right. way. Um, whereas like now it's like, well, who, what's the villain gonna be the next one? It's like, if we would add a whole season of just like, it's the Riddler and kind of the penguin and kind of Catwoman or whatever, that's fine. Right. And then maybe the Joker will show up and that's a whole nother thing or whatever. But like, you know, uh, the bench of like grounded Batman characters, if we're going to rely on them is only so deep right. and like normal, normal uh, gangsters. I mean, don't get me wrong. John Turturro is always amazing. Yep. Like, He's just one of those people, one of those actors who just like he's never the like the main character, but he's always good, especially yes. in like the serious roles. Like he fucking nails it. He's very good. Um, But like no one wants to watch a Batman show where it's just about the Falcons. Right. That's not going to be like that's not what we're here for, even though if you want a more grounded sense, it's still you want that. You want like the rogues gallery, right, which I totally get. And I want too. but like uh, the rhythm is already kind of pushing the absurdity level. And then there's just individual moments in this movie where it's just like, hold up, what? Like when he jumps off the building and he gets like the uh, free free jumping whatever suit thing. He uses thing. the glider. Yeah. And then fucking uh, eats shit. Yeah. And then like, but like that guy's dead. Like. Yes. Or, or every bone in his bone, every bone in his body is broken. And then yes. he just like limps off and it's just like, oh, okay. Like. Yeah. I thought this one I thought this was the grounded Batman. And the and the costume goes from the batsuit goes from like, oh, it's a little bit bulletproof to oh, he's playing on God mode. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. just midway he's through just the movie, like, all of a sudden he's just on. like he's just squaring off against guys with fucking full auto rifles at point blank range. And you're like, ah, I don't know about that, you know? Yeah. And like, okay, he could uh, one or two bullets, but it still hurts, you know, but then he can get in close and, and give you the zapper like i buy that but yeah. then but I, I i feel like that that's a tweak you can you can make that happen but to your point like who what's your bench of villains like all right joker uh you know i i feel like this vision of the joker fine um yeah he's definitely creepy yeah um and okay so he's he's another like psycho probably gangster to some degree in Gotham, but he's locked up. All right. He breaks out. We got to get him again. Fine. That's your Batman too. But beyond that, like you're not doing Mr. Freeze in this world, unless you do him as a side character. And you know, it's one of these like wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of things. Right. You're not doing Clayface. Right. You're not doing Man Bat. Right. You're not doing Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy, Mad Hatter, Ventriloquist, uh, I mean, maybe a firefly, some kind, like, you know what I mean? But, like, then he's just, like, guy who lights up on fire. Well, that doesn't really fit with the theme of, like, corruption and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... You know, I could see... And you also don't... 
turn this Batman into like you don't there's no larger DC world with this Batman. No, please God no. You know, and I just don't see that. Right. This is this right? is a world without superpowers. Right. So so where do you go from here? And that's like that's why I was like, huh, I'm kind of like I'm not surprised like financially or, you know, from like a WB perspective, like they're making a sequel, but just like from a story, I'm just like, what the fuck do you do next? And that's hard for me to kind of envision, which in some ways is good. You know, it's, it's like a nice place to be. It's like, oh, I don't know what's like what they're going to do, which is kind of interesting. But, you know, and to have if, if if we say that what you're saying is accurate and that this is a Batman who's learned that he has to move away from chasing down, you know, youths in the street and beating them up to focusing on larger structures and conspiracies and corruption, as well as probably stopping the high level sickos who can't, you know, the true serial killers, the true whatever. So, yeah, just it's a that that's a good place to be, but it, it really limits you in what you can do. So fascinating place. That is a fascinating place. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about what they do. I I I, I wish we lived in a world where this could just be a like you say, a TV series, because I think Batman honestly works better in a more episodic, mm-hmm. you know, because that was the great thing about the the 90s animated series was they could do an episode where it's just like, oh, uh, Mad Hatter wants to rob the museum. And we got to stop him, you know, yep. and that's it. And it, it, it's like a relatively, you know, it, he's not saving Gotham City every time, you know, right. he's just foiling a particular uh, caper, you know. Right. Um, and because because a the cost of making television has, you know, or the the, the budgets for television have, yeah. have exploded Two, because it's more grounded, you don't have to do like it's not going to be that expensive. So that's probably the biggest thing for it's like that's oh, just too expensive to make a good Batman show. But it's like, you know, and but like this, there's there's not like a there's not a ton of action in this movie. No. And the action itself wise. is a little bit limp generally, but. Like, look, I mean, you could make this you could make a Batman show on a Witcher budget. Totally. Um, Probably less because you're not making. Right. You don't need dragons. You don't need dragons. You don't need realistic looking bullshit fantasy wear. You know, like your 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 costume budget is is much lower. Yeah. You don't need swords. You don't need to shoot in the middle of Ireland or Poland or. Right. Find some place that looks like the 1400s. Yeah. Um, you don't yeah, need castles, no. you know, it's like it's got to be the cheapest version of a superhero slash fantasy science fiction. So you could basically make the Batman show and you can make it more of a, you know, kind of a X-Files monster of the week um, type format, too. You know, and, and you yeah. can have some overarching plots that go and you can have some recurring villains. But um, generally, it's um, somebody's poisoned the water supply who's who is it so a little bit of a procedural right we got to figure out who's behind it and maybe we need to get dick grayson on the phone to help out you know mm-hmm. um and and but the problem is is yes I, I think batman doesn't work as well when it's a city city level threat every time um and the more you spiral out into wacky powers and you know super science nonsense the the less workable it is i think and the less fun it is for batman i think it can be fun it's just like it's just a different version of batman right like yeah and that that's show a, could also exist and that movie can also exist and they could exist at the same time which i think is completely fine and dc seems to maybe be fucking realizing that finally 
I don't know. I think they didn't they just basically uh replace the replace the um some of the high executives for the film division. I don't know, but I mean I think that they I mean maybe, but I just meant that like in the projects that are coming out, there's going to be multiple Batmans running around, which seemed to be the thing that they were yeah. so scared of doing before was having more than one version of a character in existence in film slash TV. Right. Uh, all the politics that happen around the C when the CW shows around, it's like, well, you can't use any of these characters and you can't use any of those characters. And it's just like, because those are big time stuff for television for a movie. And we don't want, or, you know, or, you know, triple a streaming as opposed to, you know, a cable network or whatever. Right. So now you're going to have, you're going to have this Batman in film. And then I guess what in, I don't know when the fucking flash movie comes out because fuck that movie, but Ooh, boy. you're going to have Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck, I guess. Um, and then like also maybe, I mean, I assume if they're going to do a Gotham PD show and I also was going to a penguin show, like Batman has to show up at some point, right? Like this version of Batman anyway. So I, and it's okay. Like, that's fine. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I don't ha- personally have an appetite for, um, for a Batman who is friends with Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the, in the movies world, I think in comics that can work cartoons that can work. Um, but I like, I like a Batman that exists in a world without superpowers. I think that's a much more interesting Batman, this kind of Batman, right? Where um, where the stories can be more personal, the, um, you know, where he has to, like, work to solve the mystery mm-hmm. um, as opposed to uh, it just fly fast to get there and punch it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, that's, I think, what Batman is at his best. Um, and I think once you start mixing in... Um, having him mix it up with Superman and the rest of the Justice League, you really need to have it be like super science Batman. Right. Which, you need to have him be Iron Man, basically. Uh, that's exactly right. Where exactly. Yeah. He needs to be Iron Man. And we already have one of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I agree. Overall, I think there's like there's one version of a high budget like Batman that is maybe trying to think of the right percentages here. Maybe like 10% Ben Affleck Batman, 30% Pattinson Batman, 50% Nolan Batman, <laughs> and then like a little bit of something new where like you're you're able to do the super science stuff, but not get too overboard with it. Where, you know, like where Snyder just puts him in a fucking Iron Man suit and like, okay, well, you know, and maybe still don't have it be part of a larger like DC universe, but just like. I want to see a high budget Batman fight Clayface. I want to see a high budget Batman fight Mr. Freeze. Like, I still feel like I haven't gotten that yet, you know? And yeah, I mean, but I don't know. But but I feel like that's that's for the Arkham games. That's for the animated stuff. Yeah, I guess that's what I want. So I just want Arkham Batman. (laughs) That's what I just described is what I just put together. Because I think that, you know, there's there's a there's a place where all of that works. Um, But yeah, uh, I I think in a movie. It's got to be it's got to be the more grounded, um, the more grounded Batman. Otherwise, you have to you have to go through all this work to establish why the world needs a Batman if the world already has a Superman. Right. And, you know, and, and also your suspension of disbelief for Batman has to stretch a lot more. Right. Because, um, okay, so he's not just a really good like 
detective and a good like fighter. But now he's also an inventor and a super scientist. And you just start bolting on these things. And and we start to get into Mary Sue's territory very quickly for all of these things to be true. Right. Um, And yeah, I I feel like it just starts to fall apart. It starts. He becomes more and more unbelievable um, because he has to have these, you know, very high tech weapons and tools and stuff in order to, like, have any relevance with Superman and Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Unless you, like, dial down the power levels of Superman and Wonder Woman so far down. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that in a video game environment that where the suspension of disbelief is different and... Um, you know, maybe you've already established a lot of these characters, you know, like, um, you know, you can just in the Arkham games, you can just bring Scarecrow in because it's like, look, you're playing a Batman video game. You know who Scarecrow is. I'm not I don't need to give a whole (laughs) Scarecrow origin. He's just going to show up for a while. Um, it's different. Yeah, I I, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're definitely right. I mean, the 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 needle you have to thread there is probably too difficult that it would ever turn out well. So and I like one of the things I like about um, well, and, and and also Batman becomes less vulnerable. Right. When you get to that point where it's like, oh, he's he's the world's best karate man. He's the world's best detective. He's Tony Stark level inventor. Um, uh, also, he's he's like incredibly good at reading people and like understanding their motivations. And, you know, it, and it's just like, who is this? Like, what is at stake here? But in like the patents in Batman where it's like, you know, he's making mistakes, right? Like, mm-hmm. he, he never should have jumped off of that roof. <laughs> what were you thinking? Why were you going upstairs? You idiot. Um, <laughs> And like his equipment sometimes doesn't work. Like you get that tension of like where like the car chase, like there is this tension that like he's riding on a rocket he built in his fucking basement. This thing could go. This thing could fall apart at any minute, you know? And yeah. I think that that's a lot more exciting to watch than just the wish fulfillment of like, I would love to drive a tank that can jump through Gotham City. You know, <laughs> um, it, it, there's that added level of, you know, this is all stuff he built himself and we know it doesn't always work. I like that um, because it adds it adds a level of tension. And then when things do work, you're like, fuck, yeah, you did it. Like when Walter White built the machine gun in the pic or the in the trunk of a car <laughs> in uh, in Breaking Bad, you're like fucking yeah because you you know like there isn't this assumption that it's just always going to work. You know he's not Rick from Rick and Morty, right? No, that's good points. Good points. Yeah, um, I like. I mean, like yeah. Things aside, I think that in your your framing of it is I appreciate that, and I if that's any of that is true is really cool because I was thinking that like you know. We've been doing this podcast for like mm, six years. Oof. Uh, free Charlotte. So, you know, yeah, that's right. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, we talked a lot or in those early days about like just like how Batman's the worst and just like beating up, you know, the classic is just like always oh, around being up poor mentally ill people. And it's just like uh, six years later, you've got a movie that maybe is like deconstructing that. And that's a good sign, right? Yeah. I mean, I think this is the best like this Batman movie has the best politics of any Batman movie. Um, because it shows that like, um, I mean, the movie opens with Batman talking about how he's a failure. Like that opening monologue is basically like, uh, 
this is failing, uh, but maybe I'm just not trying hard enough. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, you have the scene Alfred telling him like, yeah, the like you're probably going to be in trouble with the government soon about the foundation. And also, like, you got to go do shit, man. <laughs> you're kind of fucking up right now. Um, and, and Batman, like, you know, he the whole thing, he pl- plays into the Riddler's hands the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that scene was a little bit more. I wish that scene landed a little bit more and it was a little bit clearer. The whole like, oh, no, you you were a pawn in this, you idiot. Um, the yeah. way that seven ends, basically. Um, uh, it, it, I wish that was yeah, it didn't quite land. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's there. I, 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 I think that it's I don't think I'm reading too much into it. Like the movie basically lays it out very clearly in those opening scenes. Like Batman is a failure and doesn't understand why. Um, and when you look at the things he's doing, it does seem kind of stupid. Like, and then as the larger conspiracy unravels itself, it's like, oh yeah, no, the, the city's fucked up because, um, because of all this corruption, not because dropheads are robbing bodegas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's really awesome that it, you know, shows that. And it also shows that, hey, locking up the big bad, locking up one guy, doesn't really stop things Mm -hmm. um you know that like the plan is already in motion but also there's a whole bunch of other people out there that um feel the same way the riddler feels and are willing to do what the riddler was doing and willing to like carry out his plan and you know the movie even foreshadows those guys a little bit like i'm pretty sure uh one of the guys that like, you know, a, a you know, some riffraff at the at the mayor's funeral, like, mm-hmm. you know, has this little side conversation with Bruce Wayne about like uh, something like, you know, ah, the renewal funds, a bunch of garbage and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We nobody helps us. And and then that guy turns out to be one of like the Riddler's like, you know, henchmen at the end. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because, yeah, this is what happens when uh when a city is corrupt is that yeah, yeah. a bunch of disaffected you know people that you know have no out- other outlet for action right yes and they decide they they decide that because they can't the system the, the, the system is beyond saving the only outlet is vengeance <laughs> right and i mean the movie really makes it clear at the end when you know the the last riddler goon is like I'm vengeance. And you're like, yes, movie. Thank you. That is your theme. Yes, I know. Uh, you know, and they, they underline it a little too much. I mean, I'm not sure if the Riddler actually says the words to Batman, like, we're not so different, you and I. I'm not sure if that comes out, but like, that's the idea is like that. Yes, vengeance is stupid. Doesn't fix anything. Um, yeah. And it's interesting that it, one thing that's cool is that it manages to do all that without making like without being like Batman stupid, you know, without being like the idea of Batman is stupid. Batman is like it's absurd. It's like this version of Batman is figuring out. But like it doesn't completely um, like doesn't make Batman irrelevant somehow. No, it because you care. You, you like he's he's learning and you also understand why like he starts out with this idea of vengeance because one, he's blind to the corruption, and two, he was raised by the Waynes, right? Like, what mm-hmm. do you think Thomas's Wayne, Thomas Wayne's theory of criminality was? That right. oh, you know, 
uh, people are, you know, people's options are limited by their circumstances. And for some people, crime is the only option within their circumstances or the best option within their circumstances. <laughs> and the only way to help them is to improve their circumstances. Or do you think Thomas Wayne, uh, his view of crime was, well, some people are just bad criminals and they need to be afraid to commit crimes. Like, yeah. so, yeah. So, of course, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne is going to enter the world with that idea and try to make it real with his stupid bat suit. And if he's under the impression that his parents were killed by a common street thug, quote unquote. Right. You know, that's only going to d- double down and reinforce on that, that, that that those are the bad actors in the world. Right. Right. But then by when actually, you know, his interactions with Selena Kyle showing him that, like, yeah, I was born into this. This was my only option. You know, I'm not a criminal because I'm a bad person. And no amount of fear is going to change my path in life. Um, and then also the, you know, the interaction with the Riddler of realizing like, oh, boy, uh, this guy really is a li- literal victim of the of the system. Right. This was a mm-hmm. this was an unstable person who did not get the help they were promised and just wants revenge. Um, and 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 they're infecting other people with that ideology. You know, he has those experiences and then he realizes like, no, I actually have to like fucking help people here. I can't just try to scare bad people. I have to because they're not afraid of me. <laughs> like the penguin laughed at me. Right. <laughs> um, you know, he's like, I'm making them afraid. But when he was in that first scene in the subway, those goons weren't that afraid of him. No. The civilian was, but yeah. the goons weren't that afraid of him. Yeah. So like, what do you do with bats? All three of the big bads in this movie, Penguin to lesser degree, but then Turturro's Falcone and uh, Riddler are not afraid of Batman. Right. At all. Right. He's so, a joke. Yeah. yeah. That's a. <laughs> huh. And, and his whole opening monologue is about, I have to make them fear the shadows. Right. But, but then also the. The thing at the end, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, uh, the Riddler wants to bring Falcone into the light. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where he shoots him. But like, you know, Batman wants to wants to wants the bad guys to be afraid of the shadows. But the bad guys like the sh- they're living in the shadows. They right. love the shadows. That's their whole thing. <laughs> like Falcone has evaded uh retribution for his crimes this whole time by staying in the shadows bruce they love the shadows <laughs> you're not you're not you're not doing anything buddy yeah I, I think it could have been interesting with more time you know if you're gonna kind of to position like because similar to jeffrey wright's gordon they didn't really give andy circus's alfred a lot to do mm-hmm. it would have been interesting to give him a little more to do who, who's not just like shouting the movie's themes at you, mm-hmm. but like trying to make trying to like get through to Bruce in some ways that like what you're doing isn't working. Like, you know, have you ever thought about checking out blah, blah, blah? Like, you know, not nothing so overt as that, but some nuanced way to get him to be a voice of reason so that it also further c- connects that like when he gets yeah attacked, you know, like it it's like, oh, I actually listened to Alfred, even though he's not my dad, but yeah, it is my dad. It's really tough because in the traditional Batman relationship, Alfred is there to like uh, constantly remind Batman of his humanity. Right. And and, you know, be the voice of reason, you know, you know, when like Batman's maybe being too reckless or, you know, 
But um, but this whole movie is about Batman, like learning that humanity to begin with, like finding his humanity, period. So to have Alfred there to kind of like remind Batman to like turn up his humanity dial a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that works in this context, which might be one of the reasons why Alfred doesn't really have it much to do in this movie, because uh yeah like you say otherwise he would just be like yelling the <laughs> yelling the movie right. central theme at batman um i think there's a way to do it though i just don't know what it is yeah i don't know what it is either um at this stage and i also i, I i'm i'm really tired of batman arguing with alfred all the time i just feel yeah. like we've had a lot of that um uh the i can't think of the actor's name but the guy from the um the uh the first four batman movies that alfred um oh yeah i was, don't know he was really good at just being like you know like it was never an adversarial relationship mm -hmm. the way it kind of got in the in the nolan movies a little bit where they're like you know they're like yelling at each other i don't like that um you want like animated series alfred. I, I always want that <laughs> yeah let's just keep making that yeah uh it's probably not as good as i remember <laughs> No, probably not. But, um, <laughs> but it certainly it came out at exactly the right time for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kevin Conroy, that is the voice of Batman. Though. It's the voice of Batman, man. Arkham. That's why it's why it's so good. Well, wasn't uh, he? And he was in. Uh, he played a version of Batman, and was it one of the CW shows? Um, yes, he played batman in the batwoman show i think right some like future uh, you know alternate reality batman or something it's just That's like older yeah um yeah i forget who i think it was the guy who played I'm trying, I'm trying, i haven't watched it i kind of want to to see what it's all like it's like i think it's i've heard it's absurd like the titan show on now hbo max what was dc mm -hmm. universe um because they bring batman into that as well and it's played by the guy who played um fuck What's the guy's name who I can't remember? I'm, it's been so long since I watched Game of Thrones. He was the knight who was obsessed with uh, Danny and by her side. Uh, Sir uh, Dantos? No. no, 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 no. That's the uh, that funny was, guy. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I know exactly who you mean. Uh, what the fuck was that guy's name? Uh, I think take away our podcast. We don't remember a main character from Game of Thrones. I think it's because I, we both just been like, fuck that series. Get it out of my head. Uh, hit the eject button, all that knowledge. Um, it'll come to me in probably 15 seconds. But after yeah, the guy the who topic. got friend zoned by Daenerys. Exactly. Uh, but he's a he's a British actor, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah, he played Bruce Wayne in that show, I think, um, which is weird. But yeah. Uh, Ian but Glenn. No. Ian Glenn. Thank you. Ian Glenn. He is. Uh, um, I'm assuming it's pronounced Ian. It's got one of those kind of. So he's Scottish, not English. So I apologize to. Uh, well, you said British, everyone. so. Did I say British? You said British Good for me. Um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, we're Jorah choice. Mormont. Jorah Mormont. Thank you. I'm not looking at his IMDb page. <laughs> uh, that was in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, again, it's 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 such a it's such an interesting thing to have all so many versions of quote unquote the same characters and their relationships and stuff you know floating around within the larger canon. So that's kind of fun. Um. Well, I mean, I think that sums up Batman for me. I'm curious what a sequel looks like with that, with this framework in mind. Yeah, I, I, I'm very curious. Like, I, I, I think I will be disheartened if it looks like it's just new Batman adventure. We got a new suit. We got a new car. Let's see who the villain is. Um, 
that will be more disheartening as opposed to something that's a little bit more like we're picking up right where this left off. You know, um, this 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 the Batman two picks up like a week after the Batman one. And, you know, it's very tightly, very tight in there and really focused in. Um, uh, I would much rather see that than something that's a little bit more like, uh, all right, we're just kind of like, mm, we're just going to here's the Joker, you know, Um you yeah, know, like, says, look, Gotham's, Gotham gets flooded and, you know, like the next movie opens and, you know, Bruce Wayne it gets home after helping all those people out of the uh, Gotham Square Garden or whatever it was, you know, and he he takes off the cape and he, you know, and then all of a sudden on the police scanner, the flooding has uh, has broken down the security system at Arkham and everybody's escaped. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's. Day two, we are picking right back up again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was just, I want to double check where these other spinoffs were at. And it sounds like the Penguin spinoff is like definitely happening. And it sounds like that the Gotham City PD series was put on hold in favor of like a quote, like an Arkham series, which has been moved up. I don't know what that looks like. But one thing that I thought was interesting was that it, that I I don't know if this is, I'm not like Batman expert, but the whole like that his mother's family was the Arkham family. I think that's a new twist. I think so, too. And also that his mother has a history of mental illness because that seems like a subtle nod, more of an Easter egg, not like it's going to be anticipating anything um, of like how in the Flashpoint series where, you know, the night that Bruce Wayne's parents are killed, it's actually Bruce Wayne that's killed. And then his mother becomes the Joker because she can't handle it. And his dad becomes like punisher batman basically um so i thought that was kind of like an interesting connection that like martha had like a history of mental illness and that night of trauma like pushed her over the edge or whatever uh i don't know i could be just reading too much of that but that's what i, I think of. it's a i mean i think it's an interesting little bit because i think it, it 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 checks a lot of boxes for like storytelling efficiency um mm-hmm. you know it 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 demythologizes his parents a little bit which helps you know, with the other themes, it, um, it, 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 it lightly questions his mental stability. Sure. Um, and it connects back to, um, you know, other real political scandals in American history. Cause it's a very similar story to, I think, was it Rosemary Kennedy? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, one of the, uh, I think it was Rosemary Kennedy. Um, I think she was JFK's sister, um, but basically uh, she wasn't she wasn't well, but like but they basically um, because she was essentially such an embarrassment to the family. They basically had her lobotomized Oof. Um, to like protect the family's reputation. Um, so like there is that like that little historical thing there where you're like, aha. So we're, you know, so this idea of like skeletons in the family of this, like otherwise buttoned up, um, kind of American royalty thing. Um, Mm -hmm. so it does a lot. Yeah. Um, It it also, and it's also just like a really good, his acting in that scene where he kind of, it kind of feels like he's finding that out for the first time. Yes. And you really can feel that I think when he does, and it's like, Oh, that'd be a very like, once again, it's demythologizing it for the audience, but it's also like, you know, for him, part of the, you know, moving his parents off this pedestal, not that being mentally ill makes you a bad person or anything, but just no. that like he he has this probably idyllic memory of being like a seven year old and your parents or whatever, however it was right. nine or something. And to realize that like, oh, you know, it wasn't as hunky dory as we thought. And 
I didn't know about this. Once again, did Alfred not tell me? Did, you know, what else are they keeping from me? It just it really just expands on that. So it is very efficient point. Yeah. And I I I I, I do wish we had more of a sense of like and, and it makes sense where like, yeah, imagine if your memories of your parents, like your 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 not your memories, but like your your vision of your parents is forever frozen with whatever your conception of them was when you were 10, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, you might have kind of a uh, a child's view of them, right? Because you never got to experience them as a grown-up. Um, you'll always be viewing them through that 10-year-old's eyes. Um, but I wish we, as a as viewers, got a little bit more of a sense, I, I've said, like I said, like, you know, of what exactly Bruce's conception of his parents were was you know right exactly um so that when that gets broken down we feel it more yeah for sure yeah because we know nothing about how he feels about his parents at that point really outside of he's vengeance right like i mean it took a long time but like you know the slow chipping away of the image of ned stark as completely honorable right mm-hmm. like that's kind of want that yeah um because also a little bit like, I also feel like weirdly like Joker kind of scooped this movie a little bit of like, oh, what if Thomas Wayne was actually kind of an asshole? OK, um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Uh, oh, what happens if like Gotham's, you know, safety net decays to the point where like, you know, it's it's much more unstable denizens like decide they start acting out like, OK, <laughs> you know Good what I mean? Thing I didn't see that movie. You What? I haven't seen Joker. You should see Joker. I I know. I just I hated the concept so bad, and I just I don't know. It's ge- like it's genuinely a decent movie. Like, no, I, I know I, that. I know that. But like it's it's um it's genuinely genuinely good. Yeah, I know that. I just I mean I, it's not it's not as great as it thinks it is, <laughs> and some people think it is. Yeah, but it's 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 actually a, a pretty just like a pretty good movie all around. Yeah, I know. I haven't gone around to it yet, but I, I, I definitely will at some point. Um, I, uh, I guess next time we chat, we might be talking about some Marvel stuff, huh? Are you going to go see Dr. Strange? I do plan to see Dr. Strange. That's next month, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it is in a week. Really? Yes. Um, well, a week and a day, I guess. Um, hmm. I will yes, be I will leaving, the- probably leaving promptly after that. So we'll probably have to wait to record to get back, but. Oh yeah, that's right. You're going on your adventure. My adventure. Um, and also Moon Knight will have wrapped. Are you still watching that? Uh, yes, I've got to see whatever. The, I mean, I, I haven't caught this week's episode. The one that came out. Or no, today. I might be. I might actually be. No, I think I'm I think I'm. That's right. Because because the new episode, the latest episode premiered today. We're recording on Wednesday. Yeah, the fifth one. Yep. And I typically watch them on Thursday night. So, yeah. So I'm I'm yeah, I'm, I'm more or less caught up. Yeah, I haven't watched the fifth one yet either. So and there's only going to be six. So and I um, can't decide if this show is good or not. I'm also in that same boat. Uh, I have a lot of like thoughts. I've been a little distracted with it too, which hasn't been the best, but there's definitely good things in it. I'll say that for sure. Like I'm confident there's good things in it. I'm not sure if I'd say it's a good show, but you yeah. know, it was a good show though. You, you did watch Peacemaker, right? No, I haven't watched oh, Peacemaker. Greg, you gotta watch Peacemaker. I know. Everybody's so says it's fucking a, funny. It's good. Everybody so says funny. It's good. And it's doing that thing. I don't know what you call it. What, what would you call this, Greg? Like it's a thing in like, we've always had that's like a thing that's very popular right mm-hmm. but where your show is more like 90 percent comedy but then 10 percent like just knife in the stomach like darkness slash like 
uh, harrowing. So it's a James Gunn show. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm also thinking of Mythic Quest is kind of like that because I've watched that. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things that are there's been a lot of that lately where it's just like we're going to make you laugh really hard and then make you ball your eyes out the last 10 yeah. percent. You're like, God damn it. Like, what are we doing here? Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit of that. And it is. I mean, you know, John Cena is just like he's really funny. His delivery is great. His presence is great. Like there's a ton of laugh out loud moments in that show. Um, the whole cast is great, honestly. The intro alone. I mean, the intro alone. Is I know. I keep something. hearing good things. Never skip it. Never skip the. Intro. But I've got about I've got about one. I've got this is so fucking sad. I've got about one reliable window of about an hour every week where I can like reliably <laughs> sit down and watch a show and like give it my attention. That's about <laughs> what I have in my life right now. Well, it's where, a good like, thing that shows are shorter now, like only six or eight or ten episodes or whatever. I, I have the I have this uh, like I have a slot I can. Yeah. Once Moon Knight is done, I can put maybe I'll put Peacemaker in that slot. Yeah. Of, the one show I can pay attention to. I, I've been catching up on some things I've missed be, because I broke my foot, as you're well aware. But mm-hmm. listeners, some listeners might be aware. Lightly broke it. Slightly, in the words of Mike Tyson. Slightly broke my foot. Um, I watched that Arcane show on Netflix, the League of Legends show. Yeah. Um, I mean, and this is coming from someone who I really loved League of Legends for a long time, but then was just like, I'm over this game and has no attachment to it anymore. Holy shit, what a show. It's good? I mean, yeah. Like, I don't know, it's just like, it's just a really well-made show. But I also learned that, you know, it's an animated show. It's nine episodes. It was like 10 to 15 million per episode. Wow. And according to, uh, well, League of Legends money, but according to the Sanderson Pockets, they're talking about and reviewing it. They said that an average episode of Attack on Titan is $300,000 by comparison, which is probably what probably the most pop one of the most popular animes in the world right now, um, which I also caught up on. But then they fucking pull the rug out and they're going to do another half season. God damn it. Uh, I don't know. I had to bail on that after a couple episodes because I was just like, basically, when I heard they were doing another season, I was like, I thought we were at the end. Yeah, I so to, did I. I, I. I'm going to need to take a couple steps back from this. I can't <laughs> like because I I mean, I've read the the comic. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. how this ends. And around the time they announced the other half season, like I was still um, I was still like I was an episode or two behind. I was like, there is no conceivable way there are this many episodes left. Yeah. And you're right. Um. Yeah. So anyway, it. Every shot is just, I mean, every shot is beautiful. Like the animation style is like, it's cell shaded, but in such a, which I, which is like a, usually a cheap way out of doing things, but like, it is so well done. The voice acting is fantastic. The writing is really good. Like there's some kind of cliche stuff, but like, it's just got some awesome sequences. It's just, it's beautifully made at a bare minimum, like from an animation. So I've never seen anything like it before, to be honest. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you like love the plot, but like, it's 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 interesting it, even just to like maybe look up some of the clips online and like you know watching a high high def format like it's it's really cool uh, yeah i mean it looks aesthetically appealing from what i've seen i was just like i have no idea what league of legends you don't is. need to know anything i cannot possibly care no um the, but, as everyone said that show developed more lore of league of legends than league of legends existing for like 15 years so not that long, 12 years, right, whatever. So I don't need any background. No, no. If Got anything, it. it's distracting because you're kind of like, oh, is that is that this guy? 
is that a character? No, it's not. And like some of the main characters are obviously characters from the game, but there's plenty of like second tier B tier characters that are not characters from the game and it's fine. So like yeah. it's it's not there's a couple you'd be like, oh, that guy's probably a character because he kind of stands out because the game was not made to have any sort of like semblance of lore or like, you know, connectivity. And a lot of the characters are kind of like analogs for existing things already. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is kind of a Harley Quinn character. I get it. Like that kind of thing. But yeah, um, it's still quite good, though. Uh, a lot of like shades of gray and nuance, but not in the like everyone's shitty kind of shades of gray. Like not just Game of Thrones where everyone's a jerk. It's just like oh, people just have like people are complex human beings and like they get put in situations that always make the right decision and doesn't make them bad people. But, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, more it was more nuanced and like mature than i not mature in like the they fuck kind of way but right. like mature and just like a mature in themes and and the delivery than i expected from a league of legends show yeah any video game show for that matter uh yeah so but yeah I, I i look forward to uh i'm i'm like really excited for both dr strange and the upcoming thor movie yeah dr strange looks good thor looks good so it's kind of getting me re- reinterested in like i mean obviously i'm still interested in marvel and me but like you know the past few movies have been like ah oh, you know it's, it's good it's fine whatever it's all been a lot of bunch of stuff but to go back to some of these characters and like to go these like two absurdly but absurd but absurd in different way movies uh i'm kind of in for i mean minus no way home i feel like no way home dr strange thor are going to be this like revitalization a little bit of like the brand in some ways after like Black Widow, Eternals. Shang-Chi's pretty good, but like nothing mind blowing. I think these are going to be pretty exciting movies for people. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, uh, I I mean, I'm not like ex- super excited, like dying to see either one, but they both look like, oh, like, hey, like these both look like just like like good, interesting movies that I want to watch, but I don't need to like care about mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, oh, I just want to like see another Thor movie. I like the Thor movies and I don't really give a shit about if or how it connects to anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just, you know, like, ah, just like, let, let's just go watch some wacky adventures with Doctor Strange. He's going to fight an evil Doctor Strange with a third eye. Great. Great. Let's <laughs> do it. I, I, I and it's not really like, at least in the marketing for it that I've seen, uh, it's not really like beating me over the head with like like oh you gotta see this is gonna unravel all the mysteries of all the other movies that you got like you know it's just mm-hmm. like hey come come see a movie of dr strange getting into his hijinks yeah um gonna ask oh i have a, a quick hypothetical for not hypothetical a quick question for you if you were so we know in the thor movie that russell crowe is playing zeus fine and we see that you know that obviously means they're gonna bring in the the Greek mythos and mythology figures into it. Love. But the most important of those characters that existed in exists in the Marvel universe is Hercules, right? Uh, yes. A lot of people are speculating that this movie might have a Hercules in it, but there's been no casting. Who do you cast as Hercules in the current MCU? Who do you cast as the MCU Hercules? Given kind of the space that Thor occupies. Right, 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 right. For a long time, Hercules is kind of a, you know, B-level Thor. Thor for when Thor wasn't around. So if Russell Crowe is Zeus, Anthony Hopkins is Odin, whose son son is Thor, played by uh, Hemsworth, he's got to be somebody who is 
like from that mirror, right? Like, so who's mm. who's the like the like alternate a, universe Chris Hemsworth? Yeah, this is an SAT question, right? It's like if right, yeah, if Russell Crowe is or if uh, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins is, is to, ha- to Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth as Russell Crowe is to Do blank. blank. <laughs> uh, he's got to be a hunk. I don't know who the hunks are today. Um, I mean, John people... Cena's too obvious. Yeah. Um, I've heard people say Henry Cavill. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty perfect, actually. Um, which I, I was like, OK, I, I'd like to see him flex that kind of like a uh, boastful, big drinking, you know, if, if that's the kind of Hercules they're going to yep. build, which you need to because that's Hercules, right? Um, like the Marvel Hercules anyway. Um, people say The Rock, which I'm like, nah. No, too old. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Um, the thing is, though, the thing that's the crazy thing about uh, the current climate when it comes to like actors in Hollywood is like anyone can become a hunk in like six months. Yeah, weird, but right? like like no one saw no one thought Chris Pratt was going to be a hunk. No one thought Robert Pattinson. I guess he's not really a hunk, but, you know, no one expects Paul Rudd to get ripped. But he's there he is. You know, it's like and some of them still aren't going to play Hercules level. But Hemsworth Hemsworth has a physical presence of hunky. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. like, oh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Chris, anybody can get ripped. Sure. But Chris Hemsworth is like seven feet tall, eight <laughs> feet wide. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he The way he carries himself has like a very. And that is exactly the same like Henry Cavill kind mm-hmm. of hunkiness, that kind of energy. Yeah. Um, And he's got that, uh, at least when he's Superman, he was very hairy. It's like it was a Hercules thing. Like if if the Norse gods are all clean shaven and run around naked, Hercules is. Harry right, running Harry around chested. naked. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to resist the urge to make a joke about Greek people. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that's 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 exactly right. It's got to be Henry Cavill. There are no other choices. <laughs> Although, great, we might also have to talk at some point because I think we both want to go see another movie coming out. Speaking of naked people fighting and Norse people fighting, the Norsemen. Yeah, the Northmen. Yeah, I, I, it's out. I'm, I'm going to be in New Jersey this weekend. And I'm going to try to figure out how I can like escape my family to go see that movie because, uh, yes, Robert Eggers has not made a bad movie yet. And, um, and holy shit, that movie just looks like black metal, the movie <laughs> or yeah. like Amon Amarth, the movie. Like, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely going to try and sneak it in this weekend because, um, a I, hypothetically, I should be leaving. I should be in Sweden in two weeks time. So I need to watch that before I go. And also, yeah, it's just a Monomarth, the movie, but also this amazing filmmaker who yeah, I haven't watched his movies yet, but you know, and Ugh. just the early reviews are phenomenal. And I, mean, I was watching movie Bob's review and he's just like, Doug, fucking just go see it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, um, question. I'm, I'm jazzed about it because I like his other two features, uh, the lighthouse and the witch. Mm-hmm. Which are both like very like carefully constructed, slow burn, like horror movies, almost and, and almost experimental in some ways. Um, speaking of Robert Pattinson uh, mm-hmm. from The Lighthouse. Um, so but this looks like a little bit more of a straightforward kind of thing. Um, but it also just looks fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's from what I read. It's straightforward, but also weird. Oh, but yeah, it's a good. good. I mean, kind of not be weird. um but like it's i mean like but the lighthouse is shot in black and white in like a four by three aspect ratio um in 
like an extinct dialect that they make no attempts to uh, modernize. <laughs> um, and there's only two people in it, the whole movie, you know. Right. Um, and it's amazing. Uh, the witch is a similar idea of just like, yeah, they speak like it's the 1600s and that's what you've got to watch. That's you're just here that you're just that's how it's going to be. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, cool. We'll have some cool things to talk about then. I think uh, we will. But I just warn you, I won't be talking about books anytime soon because I am currently almost done with the third book of Wheel of Time. And I think I'm Again? just doing that. This, well, this is the my second. This is my first reread. Okay. Uh, it took me a little bit to get, I, I was not reading a lot for a little bit, but then yeah. foot injury and some travel and stuff. But then I, I also started to get, uh, hooked now where I'm like, Ooh, I'm gonna read some well time. Cause it's, I read this books like 12, 13 years ago. I started them. So it's like, it's been a long time. I'm not a rereader at all. Too many books out there to reread books, but long enough where it's like kind of newish, but I know enough to like be looking for foreshadowing and yeah. This is where it starts to get pretty good. And it's, for me, aging a lot better than I expected it to, which is kind of unsurprising for how much kind of like uh, derision it gets on the Internet for a number of things. Uh, I don't know if I just once again, you know, it's through so much just reading different things, just like a lot of things that bother people who are not used to reading China Miaville and Guy wrote the Witcher books and whatever else. It's just like, oh, this is this is mildly annoying. It's now a trifle. Like, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Weird little nuances, right? But but no, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting. And the second season is coming, quote unquote, soon, allegedly, mm. whatever that means. So uh, you never finished first season, did you? No. Yeah. yeah. I just couldn't. I just I just I couldn't get into it. Oh, I, I just started watching it again. So I'll, I'll watch it for you. And then oh, thank you. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Well, it is getting late. It is getting late. This was great. It's been a little bit, but it was it nice has. to nice to do it again. Always a Busy good time. Stuff. But then we'll have when you get back from uh, the frozen north uh, from Hyperborea, we'll have uh, <laughs> we'll have lots to discuss. Yes, and it'll be summer. It'll be nice. Ugh, Sorry. summer the worst. Well, I like summer now because I get four day work weeks this summer. Oh, uh, so and my best friend has a pool five minutes away. So summer is a lot better than I used to be because yeah, yeah. I don't like summer because I like to wear a jacket. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, anyway, enjoy enjoy your trip. Ya. Travel Thank safe. You. Thank you. And I'll we'll talk, talk to you soon. When you get back. Bye. Later. Later.